Welcome to Clean Processes with Jerry. This podcast is dedicated to building an online community of like-minded individuals and businesses in the chemical and cleaning industry. We will share ideas, tips, solutions, and stories to solve problems and expand our markets. Please join me every week when we introduce a special guest that just might be you. I work for ChemStation of Boston, where I am based in New England. I also run the blog, Hospitality Cleaning 101. If you ever have questions, feel free to reach out and we'll answer on a future podcast if you like. At the end of the show, I will include my contact information. Today, we have Jim Lopolito of Lopolito Consulting, which consults for restaurants, country clubs, and different hospitality businesses. Welcome, Jim. Morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Thanks for letting me be here today. Oh, it's fantastic. We have crossed paths many times. I've known you for a couple of years since I've moved to the East Coast. I come out of the hospitality industry, the selling of chemicals and hospitality, and you're a consultant. So if you don't mind, explain to the audience more exactly what all you do, please. We've known each other for a couple of years. I've been in consulting since 2014. I incorporated in 2018. I've been in the industry since I was 14 years old. And without telling you how old I am, it's over 50 years. So I've been around a long time. And I started, you know, as a dishwasher, just like you know, many, many people did in this industry. <laughs> right. And, um, it's how I started. Into the ranks, <laughs> yeah. cook, uh, into chef, into management. Funny story, I went to a place called Victoria Station years back and applied for a job as a manager. And I was a, I was a chef. And they said, well, you don't have, you know, the management experience that we want to be a manager. So we'll make you a cook and eventually someday you'll become a manager. I said, no. I said, I, I want to be a manager. And I said, look, I'll take the job as a cook. But you're going to make me a manager. Two weeks later, they had me in California in the management training school. And then following that, I came back and managed their Victoria Station Yonkers location, uh, which was a 300 plus seat, five boxcar. The Victoria Station was boxcars. Right. I started managing. That was my really my first management position in, in the restaurant industry. And then I just moved on from there. But I've been in all the positions. And at the same time, one of the reasons I'm successful, I believe, is because I learned everything. You know, if I saw something, I learned it. I, I followed vendors when they came in the building to learn what they were doing. So you know, that's how I learned about chemicals. I wanted to know what you were doing when you walked in the building. And, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I was spending the right amount of money. And I wanted to make sure I learned about you know, dispensing controls and uh, and what chemicals I should use and how I should factor in, you know, all the all the different uh, things that go into, uh, you know, buying chemicals and, uh, you know, facility management, uh, pool management, tennis, golf clubs, restaurants, uh, hotels. I, I made sure that the next job had something different than the job I had prior. And I, you know, moved along in the industry. Well, that's fantastic. I actually started at age 15 as a dishwasher. At that time, I believe minimum wage was a dollar fifty, dollar sixty. However, they paid me. It was a donut shop. They paid me one dollar an hour, but all the donuts I could eat. Oh, I mean, wow. <laughs> how could you? And roll you could off? take them home, right? And then you could take them home as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. they were. It was at the end of the night. They weren't going to sell them the next day anyway. But right. Hey. Hey, leftover donuts is better than no donuts. That's right. And it's amazing you bring up about the back door. And I've listened to some of your YouTube and stuff like that. 
Back door for deliveries is a very important area that I believe is missed by many people. Before I was in the chemical business, I actually was at a Hilton hotel, 500 room hotel, and I was a sous chef and I was in the back doing an ice carving and I saw them bringing in some 55 gallon drums of chemical. And I was just watching. And at that time we had a shop steward, we had a, a steward for receiving and the people in the kitchen were called porters and uh, right. kind of aging myself there. You, you know yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. At, Stewards at that time, and porters. Yes. At that time, I guess the chemical salesman came in and he had the drum pump for the 55 gallon and he took off the bong and he was setting it up and I was just doing my ice carving. And then lo and behold, there was management there, but as management turned their back, I saw him open up the 55 gallon barrel in front of the porters and drop in about 25 silver dollars. And I'll never forget that to this day. I wasn't in the chemical industry. And then what he did, they all nodded to one another and shook their head. Well, you know, within a week, that 55 gallons was done. It was gone. They were delivering another one. It goes back to the back door. Somebody wasn't monitoring the complete process of chemicals. And you know what happens with food and everything else, chemicals and stuff like that, that you need to have who is responsible for ordering the chemicals. It's extremely important. Sure. Well, I did not know that you were a chef. And uh, and I did not know that you have also a, a similar experience in ice carving because i also did ice carvings uh i, I didn't, I didn't say i was any good but <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say i was any good but i did do them i got i got okay i was okay with it i, I didn't uh it wasn't uh something i did all the time but i did do it once in a while that's how i started from dishwasher eventually the donut shop and worked to a full service restaurant but then I guess about age 19 or 20, the manager suggested I go to a local junior college to try to get an associate's degree to become a chef and stuff like that, which I did. And I was in the restaurant business till I was 25, actually, because at that time I took a shift to chemical sales. And that's a long story, but <laughs> that's how I started this whole this whole thing. And I applaud that you know, the one thing you said, many things, but that you always are learning something new. You know, now in my age, I'm in my 60s, I'm learning something new with this podcast. It's to put the message out that I believe a person like yourself, a person like myself, who are years experience can help other people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's it's interesting that with all of the hospitality and restaurant and food service and management experience, you know, when I say that, you know, I always wanted to do something different. For 10 years, I, I went into a catering business in, in the year 2000 in uh, Port Chester, New York at the Capitol Theater. And uh, lo and behold, not only was I doing catering, but I was uh, also doing concert production for 10 years, stage management, concert production. And uh, I was fortunate to work with some of the big uh, names in the industry. I worked with uh, Paul Simon and, and Bob Dylan, Katy Perry, Toots and the Maytals, and I can go, I can go on and on and on. Uh, that was a fascinating 10 years of my life. But yes, I always wanted to make sure my next step was uh, doing something I hadn't been before. Something part of what I do has to have something to do differently. And, you know, that's how I moved, moved along. And then in 2014, I had an opportunity to go to Rye Golf Club. They were in turmoil. And, you know, after, I'm sorry, 2013, I was in uh, Rye Golf Club. And at the end of that year, I made a dramatic change in their in their profits. They went from a negative to a really big positive 
it got in the newspapers. It was a, it's a municipality operation. So a lot of what I did got into the newspaper. So that's when I decided in 2014, I was going to go into consulting because then I had something that people could read about, you know, what I did. Cause I was right. known for turning businesses around. And th- that, that, that's a, a great story. And you've even taken it further because I believe recently you're now doing hotels as well. I have currently I have five hotels up and down the East coast that I'm working with. And I think there's going to be a couple more up- upcoming I'm going to Ohio in, I think, in March uh, for a country club that needs me. I'm doing a project local to where I live here in New York, um, helping build a little kitchen and a food operation from scratch, uh, building the whole thing. It's a little uh, fun zone where you throw hatchets and you play pool and all stuff, and they want to put a food service in, so I'm helping them develop that right now. So i got a lot of pans on the fire, and it keeps right. me busy, but I do a lot of traveling now, yes. Great. Now, when you go, when you're hired to do what I'll say a job or consulting and stuff like that, what do you look for when it comes to, I guess, costs of chemicals, procedures of chemicals, or, or areas where you see concerns? I assume you do a survey. Well, generally, it usually starts with an organization asking me to come in and do a review of the facility. And I usually do in about three days. It takes about three days, depending upon the size of the, the business. It could take four. Then I review the whole entire facility. I spend that time. And then they get a report for me. And that can consist of 10 pages, 20 pages. It depends on what I find. Incorporated into that is everything that I see. And one of the factors I always encounter is the chemicals. And I've sent you pictures recently of, of some environments that I dealt with. There's one in Miami that you know I sent, sent you the pictures. And you know, they're stockpiled. Must have been for six, you know, I won't say six months, but it certainly was three or four months of a stockpile for sure chemicals sitting there. And, and, you know, when you have a stockpile, it kind of gets into a gray area where, well, you have inventory money sitting there that reduces cash flow, but it also creates an environment, you know, this that the staff think, well, we have plenty of chemicals, don't worry about it. You know, you know, even if it means it's not to the bottom of the barrel, let's stick another barrel on because right. it's going to empty out in a minute. Let's save time. We can do it now. And all sorts of things go on, you know, spillage and, you know, not dispensing it properly. All sorts of things occur. And a lot of comp- organizations don't look at how they can reduce their costs. They just go with what they're going with for years and they trust the vendor. And there's so many things that that you can encounter. Not using the right, not using the correct chemicals. The wrong chemicals could be hooked up. And here there's all sorts of things going on. There's no sanitation because the wrong chemicals not hooked up or they ran out and they didn't worry about, you know, it's, it's, right. you encounter a lot, you know, you know, this, right. I know this, you encounter a lot. High inventories can create a lot of problems. One problem is from a salesman's point of view, even though if he has sold it or he or she has sold the product, they're not so looking to go back every couple of weeks to check inventories, to check in with problems, to review the staff, different concerns that might be going on. They can look at it. Well, oh, they've got four months supply. I don't need to go by. So you really need to set up some type of parameters where the, the RUP is going by on a monthly basis, if not more, especially in a large hotel, like I saw the photographs from. You know, and there's also what's going on right now with the turnover in the industry. There's a constant changeover of staff and they're not being trained properly. And, you know, it's beneficial for the sales rep 
to be there more often to make sure that they are using the chemicals right. You know, when someone just doesn't show up or doesn't care, the, the business is going to use a lot more money because they're not using the chemicals. I mean, we can go on and on with, with the factors that, that drive this business and what can occur. And, and if you don't watch, you know, if someone's not watching, a manager, a sales rep, a, a, a reputable sales rep. You know, we right. both know that there are others out there, but, you know, you want a reputable sales rep. Yes. I mean, the rep needs to also help with looking at what the results, what's the end product going out? Because you're absolutely correct. A new employee coming in, and I'm thinking of a hotel, a new employee coming in will say, oh, well, these towels are okay to go out, where another set of eyes the professional is supposed to come in and say, hold it, there's a problem. You know, chemicals, it could be one of a thousand different things, but the, the chemical- Yeah, expert, the towels aren't soft, they're tacky, right. you know. Correct. And let's be honest, the managers are pressed right now, rather than the manager checking everything or having the time to check over everything, you have to take a lot of people that they have to take the initiative of taking care of the problem themselves. Excellent. I mean, an excellent point for you to go into and see that. So what else might you see on some of your reports that you can share with us? No names or anything like that. What else? So, you know, I'll give you an example. There was uh, there was one I did recently, and uh, it was a water hose connected to the back of the building that was laying on the ground. Obviously, there's a concern about reverse flow of water, and there was no check valve on it. There were chemical barrels sitting outside in the sun directly in an area where children and families walk and sit and play and smoke. Um, you know, chemicals can't sit in the hot sun, 100 degrees. They weren't storing the, the used chemicals properly. There are poor paint jobs. There are rooms that aren't working properly. You know, you can go to a property and, you know, there's a 45% of rooms can be down and that's terrible. So there's ways, uh, you know, you have to address those things. And um, pool, you know, th this particular location, they weren't using the pool chemicals properly. So the pool was cloudy. Um, right. I do a lot of food and beverage. You know, I do a lot of food and beverage. I had to hire a chef at this location. We, we're Right now we're building a new team at the location, putting a new menu. We're about to purchase a point of sale system for the location because the point of sale doesn't integrate with the front office, you know, so. It can go on and on and on, it just whether it's facility management, repairs and maintenance, uh, chemicals, food and beverage, front office, you know, rooms division. It, you know, it's, it, I, I look at everything. Right. And, you, you know, I'm going to take advantage of your conversation about the chemicals and the, the barrels outside. Certainly. Of course, we, I wouldn't I blame for, you. I work for Chem Station on the East Coast with a refillable yeah. tank program. And it's a very big subject now because of the getting rid of barrels, getting rid of buckets, recycling, it's all very important. It's also costing the end user a whole lot more money. I literally have been into places and I recently did a, a video on where there's 10, 20, 30. I don't have a video of it. I don't have a photograph of it. I was actually in a place that had 155 gallon barrels sitting there empty and no place to go. Their existing chemical provider would not pick them up. And it was a nationwide, worldwide chemical provider. And there's just, they wouldn't assist. And this same place was under construction to expand their facility. And I have to be sorry, you have to scratch your head. You're expanding your facility 
and you can't get rid of the barrels now, there is a cost to remove and things like that. And we help the end user with that. But it's it's very important because beside just getting rid of the buckets and barrels, those have to be rinsed out properly. We don't know what kind of chemicals are getting into the soil and stuff like that. So it's one of my sure. biggest pet peeves. You look at my background right now. I see it. <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'm going to try. So this Got was, it. this was one of the locations. Yeah. This is, this is one of the locations I went to, you know, it was just incredible. You know, this only has, this location only has uh, two washers. Right. Unbelievable. You know, so I'm going to go back to the river cafe. That's where I kind of started in the industry. This is the river cafe behind me in Brooklyn. So you've all, you've always lived on the East coast. I always lived in New York. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I lo- always lived on the East Coast. I lived in Massachusetts early in my life. I moved to New York when I was 12. So never looked what, back. Who has been some of your biggest mentors throughout your career who've helped you? Well, that's an interesting question. I never, I've never thought of that. I kind of have to say I was somewhat of a loner pursuing the best I could be. And, you know, when I got to a location, I was a cocky little individual growing up and I would, go into a lo- <laughs> I would go into a location thinking I knew everything. And even if I didn't, there was a club called the Vitell Club down in New York City. It was a chef's club. I went for an interview at 19 years old. I had been working at the River Cafe at the time. I went there for an interview and I was there for three hours. And they asked me all sorts of things about recipes. They had me break down a leg of veal. They had me do all sorts of stuff. I mean, understand, this was a chef's club. And I was 19 years old, a cook from coming from the River Cafe, and they put me through the ringer. In the end, they sat me down, three chefs, and they said, you passed every test we could possibly give you. You're really good at what you do. And you said you were. This is exactly what they said to me. But we can't hire you. We can't have a 19-year-old cook cooking for our chef's club. So we tried everything to find a way of telling you that we can't hire you. And that's what it boils down to. We can't hire you, just too young. And that's why they didn't hire me. But, you know, I was the individual that I had to be the best I could be. I had to learn everything I could. If you were standing next to me doing something, I watched what you were doing. You know, that's how I learned all the departments. That's how I went around and and learned everything. And so I didn't really have a mentor. What I had was a watchful eye. And yes, there were people, managers that showed me, you know, how to do the job and everything. What I have to say that, you know, I developed a way of managing in a a little bit different because I didn't like the way managers were treating employees. I didn't like the way chefs were treating employees. So I grew up training and teaching people how to respect each other. And that was my pursuit and my goal because there was so much other going on in the industry that, I mean, I was abused as a cook, as a waiter, and I didn't like it. So I wanted to make some changes. And I've had people that have followed me around for years, wherever I go, and I would call them up and say, hey, I need you to come work for me. And, you know, I wouldn't see them for five years. And in a split second, they'd be by my side helping me with it. You're bringing up a lot of memories here, because 50 years ago, and the, the industry has changed, but 50 years ago, chefs could be a little ornery, to say the least. I mean, yeah. They they came on with different expectations. The the good thing of years ago would or and still today is if you can find one who helps teach, 
because some are teachers and help take you to the next level. I'm going to get back to cleaning in a second, but I want to get, throw one quick story out was I got interviewed and it was actually for the Hilton Hotel and where I was talking about the barrels of chemicals. And here's their question they asked me in the interview process. I don't know if you ever had this. They asked me, have I ever burned bacon? That was the question. And I said, yes, I have. And they said, you are hired. And I said, yeah. what, what, what? And I said, we refuse to hire anybody who, who tells us to be a they chef. They never put bacon. It's a lie, right? Yeah, they've never I used to burn bacon. it all the time at the River Cafe. Oh, it, it was, you know, for, I don't know if the, the audience knows this, it, it was done on sheep, or still done on sheep pans. In sheep pans, I used to do it in a pizza oven. Right. I know. <laughs> it, within, within a couple seconds, it could oh. easily if you, you turn around, it was burnt. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we have a, a couple more minutes here. I want to not end it here with, I want to ask, what do you see do we need in the industry today, the hospitality industry coming? What beside coming out of COVID, I, I have a pet peeve of some people aren't on board yet with the sanitation levels. What do you see or what do you think our next step? What is the message you and I should be taking out to the different hospitality facilities? Well, well, I still believe that uh, there are locations that are not using the correct chemicals to sanitize and to disinfect. Uh, no one taught the industry how to do that. Correct. And, you know, I see that often. I see often that time controls aren't being used. They're, they're, they're spraying stuff on a table and they wipe it down dry. You know, a lot of chemicals have timing uh, uh you know you know this and to and dwell so you know spray it on let it dry for a minute or five minutes you know um you know those kind of things aren't being uh being adhered to so the training in the industry just isn't there um i i hope that our staff levels come back i hope people who left the industry decide to eventually come back you know salaries are are going up back up again and, and they're going right. up you know, the, I mean, I'm hearing 18, 19, 20, 26 in some locations for cooks. Uh, you know, I'm hearing uh, 14, 15 dollars for wait staff. Uh, so I'm hoping staff come back and uh, and some locations are even doing benefits and stuff like that. But getting back to chemicals, chemicals, um, uh, you know, there's still a lot of work. There's very little training when someone comes to work. You know, everybody grabs the bottle of bleach and they pour a lot of bleach into the water bucket. And, you know, it's usually two, the, you know, I mean, you know what those yellow buckets are. And right. they put uh, two cups, three cups, bump, 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 you know, a bleach. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not the way to, to do right. things properly. And sometimes they'll mix chemicals. So the training is really important that I think we're missing. Right. And. My biggest thing is bleaches, and I sell it, and I've sold it my whole career. I actually sold large laundries where they used to get, had one laundry used to get in and by the tanker. So I, I understand bleach, most misused product in America, by yeah. hand down, most misused product. And we're coming up to almost a half hour here, and I appreciate the time you've given me. Any final thoughts on the industry or on yourself of what's coming out in 2022? I hope we're looking to a, a better future. I hope business comes back. I know it's tough. I don't mean to cut you off. I hope this is the last variance for a while because it's Omicron yeah. or whatever. I hope this is it. I hope we all can come back. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, some of the locations I'm working with every, every week, you know, someone else is out and with COVID and, uh, you know, and when I, I'll tell you, when I travel, you know, I know that the mask requirement is mandatory in the, in the airports and the, and the airlines. I wear a double mask always. And even when I'm on I'm a location, a lot of people don't wear masks out there. I want to come home safe. And that's the way I do it. You know, I mean, so I know people are opposed to masks and stuff, but I'm okay with it. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to encounter it. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm immunized, but I wear a double mask wherever I go just to protect myself and my family. But I understand why people uh, feel differently and I, I'm not opposed to how they feel. So I, I encounter a lot of people who say, Hey, do you, do you want me to wear a mask? And I'll say, you know, that's up to you. You know, I'm wearing a mask. I'm, trying to protect both of us, but you know, that's you, you, you decide what you want to do, but I hope we get out of this very soon. And this year, especially this year. Well, again, Jim, I thank you for this opportunity. I know we'll talk again this year. I, I, hope so. how, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had the virus once. I don't, and now I had a neighbor who's had it twice. So, but that's beside the point. I know our paths will cross many times this year. Good luck to you. If I can ever help you with anything, please let me know. Same here, man. All right. You take care. All right. Take All right. care. Bye. Have a good day. Thanks you a lot. Too. Bye now. Thank you, Jim, for joining Jerry today, and we wish to thank you, the listener. If you like the information we are sharing here, please subscribe, like, and share. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, then just please make that request in advance. Remember, the opinions shared on this podcast are Jerry's, and he will be responsible for them. If you have any questions, ideas, or comments, or would like to become a guest, please send an email to jerry at hospitalitycleaning101.com. Have a great day. Remember to wash your hands for 20 seconds and stay safe.